there, dreamers. You're listening to Steam Daydream with National Children's Museum. Each month, kids just like you will interview STEAM innovators for answers to their biggest questions. National Children's Museum's mission is to inspire kids to care about and change the world. And we encourage all kids to dream through the lens of STEAM. It's too early. Five more minutes. Oh, okay. All right. I'll get up. What time is it anyway? <gasps> I'm late. All right, AJ. You got this. Uh, pants. Check. Shirt. Check. Now shoes. 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 Shoes there. All right, I'll have to eat breakfast on my way down to Climate Action Headquarters. Now I just need to find my Pollinator Patrol badge. Oh, where did I leave it? Langley is probably waiting for me at headquarters right now. Where is that badge? I'm sorry, but whatever it is... Uh, Langley! Good morning, AJ. Ready for our first Pollinator Patrol assignment of the day? Oh yeah, I forgot. Langley was picking me up this morning. Everything all right, AJ? You're looking for your badge, aren't you? You left it on your desk last night. Oh, that's a relief. <laughs> Thanks, Langley. And don't worry. I've got breakfast burritos right here with your name on them. <gasps> You're the best. Don't mention it, partner. Let's hit the road. First stop is an urgent house call. All right. The report says our friend Colin called in about a bat stuck in the attic of his house. A bat? I see why they called Pollinator Patrol. Bats are excellent pollinators. Good morning, Colin. We're from Climate Action Headquarters. My name is AJ, and this is my partner Langley. We have a report that there's a bat stuck in your attic. Yeah, but why did they send Pollinator Patrol for a bat? That's a good question. Bats are very important pollinators. As you might know, plants reproduce from seeds, and seeds can only grow if a plant is pollinated. Pollination happens when pollen is moved from a part of the flower called the stamen to another part of the flower called the pistil. Flowers can also produce a sweet liquid called nectar. Some bats love to eat nectar. And when they come in for dinner, they pick up a little bit of pollen, too, and pollinate the flower. It's the same thing that birds, bees, and other insects do. It's important to protect our pollinators because without them, our plants wouldn't be able to make seeds. That sounds like really cool pollinators. Totally. Now let's see if we can help this bat find its way out of the attic. Can you show us where it is? Yeah, follow me. Okay, let's try not to scare it. I can see from here that it has a short tail, but a long snout. I think it's a Mexican long-tongued bat. In the summer, a few species of nectar-eating bats migrate from Central and South America to the United States, 
where they'll help pollinate cacti, agave, and other plants. This little pollinator was probably just looking for somewhere to rest after a long flight. So what do we do? Well, we want to make sure that the bat finds a home outdoors, where it can continue to pollinate plants. The Mexican long-tongued bat usually lives in small, tight places, like underneath desert plants, in rocky cliffs, or in the forest. Right now, the best thing we can do is to open all the windows in the attic and give it some space to make its way outside. Come on, we can go wait outside and watch. Look, there it goes. Whoa, that's cool. I'm so happy that worked. <laughs> that bed has to be pretty hungry after getting stuck inside. Now it can go find some nectar and keep pollinating flowers. Another case solved by the Pollinator Patrol. Ha <laughs> ha! One last thing before we go. Every visit from a climate action hero comes with a complimentary interview with an expert. Today, we have Gary Krupnik from the Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History, and he's an expert on how insects help pollinate plants. I love insects, and I have lots of questions. Great! I'll give him a call. My name is Dr. Gary Krupnik. I am the head of the Plant Conservation Unit at Smithsonian's National Museum of Natural History in the Department of Botany. What do you do at the Smithsonian? Great question, Colin. So I lead the Plant Conservation Unit, and so I deal with all issues of endangered species of plants throughout the world. I use a lot of the herbarium specimens, that is those dried pressed specimens that we have in our collections, and I use those to help determine which species may or may not be endangered. And then I also serve on a lot of different groups to preserve plants and to preserve pollinators. So I'm really excited to talk to you about pollinators today. Thanks, that's really cool. Did you grow up loving insects like me? I just absolutely love the fact that, that you enjoy insects as an eight-year-old. I used to go camping when I was your age, and, and we did play around in ponds and try to collect tadpoles. But my true love of insects didn't emerge until, until my later teen years. What are pollinators and why are they important to our world? So pollinators are animals that transfer pollen from one flower to another. Pollination is, is what leads to plant reproduction and they give us seeds. Pollinators are those animals that transfer the pollen. Some plants don't need pollinators. There's wind pollination and a lot of grasses and pine trees use wind pollination. That's why we have so many allergies to pollen. The other plants require animals to move pollen from one plant to another for reproduction. About 87% of all flowering plants require animal pollinators. It's really, really, truly important. And so the plant gets a visitor and the animal then gets a reward. They might eat the pollen or they might drink the nectar or collect oils on the plant. So it's a win-win situation for both. Animal gets a reward and the plant gets a reward. What insects are pollinators and which animals would people be surprised to know are also pollinators? So there are a lot of different pollinators out there. Most people think of honeybees as, as being the main pollinator. And there are many different bees that all pollinate, bumblebees and carpenter bees. And 
Beyond bees, there's also flies that pollinate. There are butterflies and moths. There are wasps that pollinate. And beyond insects, there are also animals, uh, vertebrates, like birds that pollinate, like hummingbirds, and bats pollinate. And some really unusual pollinators that you find are ones that you would just never expect. Lemurs. Have you ever heard of lemurs from Madagascar? There are lemurs that pollinate palm trees. They get their big fuzzy, fuzzy faces inside of a palm flower and, and, and they pollinate. There are even some known lizards that pollinate on various islands throughout the Pacific. So we get a lot of really neat, unique pollinators. In Australia, there's even a honey possum that pollinates. What would our world look like without pollinators? So pollinators are truly important for our survival and for the survival of our planet. As I said, 87% or so of all plants require pollinators. And so without pollinators, you wouldn't have these plants reproducing. When you think of your own food that you eat, humans are really dependent upon pollinators. About one in every three bites of food, you could thank a pollinator. And so without pollinators, we wouldn't have things like chocolate. Chocolate is dependent upon little flies that pollinate it, little flies called midges. So we wouldn't have chocolate, we wouldn't have vanilla, we wouldn't have fruit like apples or strawberries or blueberries. We wouldn't have nuts like almonds without pollinators. And so our food choices are really dependent upon healthy pollinator populations. Are there any plants or pollinators that are facing extinction because of climate change? So climate change is extremely serious and there are many different endangered plants and a lot of different endangered pollinators and we're just trying to tease apart why they are so threatened. It could be lack of habitat. When you remove the places where they live, they don't have a place to live anymore. So it's habitat destruction. But climate change is having a huge impact, especially when you think of droughts or fires or floods. And so any plants or any animals that are threatened by heavy droughts or heavy floods can become threatened with endangerment. One species is the monarch butterfly. You might have heard of monarch butterflies that migrate from Mexico up to Canada and back, and they go right through our country. Monarch butterflies are facing a lot of climate change effects, especially droughts, where they overwinter in Mexico if there's a cold snap that it could kill off a lot of uh, pollinators, or if it's too hot, it could kill off pollinators. What can kids like me do to protect pollinators? Are there any activities we can do to attract and invite pollinators into our yards? So that is a fantastic question, Colin. There are so many things that humans can do to help pollinators. And the most important thing you can do personally is plant a native plant garden in your backyard or in your front yard. And if you don't have a backyard or front yard, you can plant one at your school. Native pollinator gardens are really important. They, they help the native plants and they provide food for our native pollinators that are nearby. And so there are a lot of different resources out there to find out which plants you should be planting that might attract pollinators. If you want to attract uh, bees, there are certain bee plants, but if you only want butterflies, you could plant specific plants that attract butterflies or moths. So if you go to pollinator.org, we have these new pollinator recipe cards 
which provides a little recipe, a little description on how to plant a native pollinator garden. Gives you suggested plants based upon where you live, and gives you instructions on how to get those plants into the ground to help those pollinators. One other thing that you can do is talk to your parents and tell them to reduce the amount of pesticides that they might use in their front yard and backyard. Pesticides are used to kill bad insects that might be eating your plants, but in the process, we're also killing the good insects. And those good insects include pollinators, and so we want to reduce how many poisons we put in our yards that might harm our pollinators today. National Children's Museum's mission is to inspire children to care about and change the world. How do you change the world? By talking to kids like you. I help try to inspire a lot of children and, and adults in the Washington, D.C. area, throughout the United States, and throughout the world by talking about the importance of pollinators, by talking about the importance of plants. And the research that I do helps try to identify which plants might be endangered so we could put proper management practices in place to prevent them from going extinct. If you don't mind, I have one question for you. What's your favorite pollinator? Um, hummingbird. Fantastic. That is an excellent choice. Hummingbirds really love visiting flowers that have those deep red flowers uh, that they could stick their bill in. And when hummingbirds pollinate flowers, they sometimes get hit on the forehead or on the chin with pollen grains. And then when they visit the next flower, that flower knows exactly where that pollen grain is, and that pollen is then transferred to another flower. That's a fantastic pollinator. Did you hear that, AJ? Maybe you should plant a native pollinator garden. I think that's a great idea, Colin. Why don't you visit pollinator.org to find out which pollinators live in the area? Then we can choose which plants to put in our garden. Okay. While Colin's doing research for our garden, let's listen to my interview with Sarah Redlaird. She founded the Bee Girl Organization, which inspires communities to conserve bees. She gave us some advice on how we can help protect bees and attract them to our garden. My name is Sarah Red Laird, and I'm the executive director of the Bee Girl Organization and the director of the American Beekeeping Federation's Kids and Bees Program. What is the Bee Girl Organization? We're a nonprofit organization, and in short, our mission is to inspire people to cover the world with poison-free flowers. How did you first become interested in bees? I think I was born this way. <laughs> I can't remember a time where I wasn't interested in bees, or I wasn't completely fascinated by bees and beekeepers, and completely in love with honey. I was gifted my first hive by the bee research lab that I worked at in the University of Montana in Missoula when I was a college student there back in about 2009. And that really set me on my current career path. I just cared for these bees so much and I wanted everyone else to care for them too. Can you share a few facts about bees that fascinate you? I love that they recognize and remember human faces. A colony of bees will get to know their beekeeper, so it's important that you treat your girls right. The hive is about 99% female, so indeed all worker bees are girls. 
It takes about 2 million flowers to make one pound of honey. So every drop of honey that you eat is quite precious. Another fun fact is that there are 20,000 species of bees in the world and 4,000 species of bees here in North America. Why are bees considered pollinators? They are pollinators because they collect pollen as well as nectar for their own families. So in the honeybee hive, honeybees will collect pollen, bring it back to the hive where they make bee bread for their young. Our solitary bees will collect pollen on their bodies and carry it back into their nests, which sometimes just consist of them and their eggs. And they will roll a ball of pollen and nectar and lay an egg on that on that ball. So it's food for their babies, essentially. But when they carry this pollen on their body and they go from one flower to another flower to another flower, and some of the pollen will fall off of their legs or their bellies, and some bees actually even carry pollen on their eyeballs. <laughs> this moves the pollen from the anther of a flower to the stigma of sometimes the same flower, but usually a different flower, which pollinates that flower, and then the flower can grow seeds and fruit in that pollination. And there are many, many pollinators, butterflies, bats, and flies, and many other critters are pollinators, but bees are the best pollinator thanks to their body fuzz and their super quick moves. How can kids be everyday pollinator patrollers? Plant flowers. <laughs> My research has shown that bee communities can be completely different just a few meters from each other. So really every flower that you plant, no matter where you plant it, matters. And it's also important that you share your passion for bees and planting flowers and encourage others to do it too. One flower is great, but a million flowers are even better. So share your love for planting flowers and the bees that you see on your own flowers that you planted with everyone that you know to encourage others to jump on the bandwagon and plant flowers as well. Are there jobs that kids can pursue if they want to help pollinators? Yes, of course. You can help pollinators in pretty much any job. If you're a teacher at a school, plant a pollinator garden and set up a community science project. If you manage a store, don't sell products like harsh insecticides that kill bees. And even jobs that you would do at home, like mowing your lawn. If you have a lawn, participate in No Mow May and don't mow for the whole month of May and see what kind of cool flowers and cool bees come up. If you eat food, <laughs> which I think we all do, support farmers who farm regeneratively. This is a style of farming where you work with nature and not against it, and it's a very bee-friendly way of growing food. National Children's Museum's mission is to inspire children to care about and change the world. How do you change the world? I change the world by loving bees and sharing how much I love them with everyone I know. Thanks, Sarah, for answering my questions. How's the garden coming along, Colin? Great! It sounds like if we want to attract bees to our garden, we might want to add a few flowers. Mama will love that, which the bees do. You've done a really great job today, Colin. I think you've earned this. Whoa, what's that? It's a pollinator patroller badge. You've earned your official spot as a climate action hero. Pollinators are going to love this garden you're building. 
You know what, dreamers? You can earn your official Pollinator Patroller badge too. All you have to do is help protect all pollinators and the plants they help pollinate. That's all for this month, dreamers. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website, nationalchildrensmuseum.org to find STEAM videos, programs, and resources to keep your curiosity spark all month long. If you have a question about how music is made, we want to hear from you. Click on the link in the show notes to record your question and be sure to begin the recording with your name, age, city, and state. Take care, dreamers. Steam Daydream with the National Children's Museum is generously sponsored by Geico. It is narrated by me, AJ Calvert, and produced by Aubrey Vaughn and Paige Childs, with engineering and production by Maddie Zampanti of Conceptual Podcasting. Take care, dreamers. <laughs>